What if all you needed to get better in every way was available at the touch of a hand or the sound of a voice or even a vibration? Let's talk about how that happens, who can do it, and where to find them. I'm John Webster, and this is The Hesitant Healer. Greetings and welcome to The Hesitant Healer. I'm John Webster, and I'm here with a special guest today who I'm not going to reveal just yet. We also have Lisa Kay on Zoom. Hey, how's it going? And we are remote today. I am at a family reunion. It was my son's wedding in the last couple of weeks, and he's had three parties. Uh, And this one is coming to you from Sonoma, California, the beautiful wine country of Northern California. Lisa Kay is back at her residence in the Redlands, California on the Zoom. And then I have, actually, I am in a house with all my siblings, if you can imagine. (laughs) uh, I'm the oldest, and then my next brother, Mark, is here with his beautiful wife, Sarah. And then my other brother, Matt, is here with his beautiful wife, Karen. And I'm here with my beautiful wife, Lisa. And my really ugly sister, Alicia, is here with her boyfriend, Mike. They're Canadian. So... (laughs) You heard a little snicker right there. I have my brother, Matt, Matthew Stephen Webster, all the way from Charlotte, North Carolina, is here. And we're going to talk about healing and the arts. And I will let Matt introduce himself and tell you all why he's qualified to tell you such things. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, John. So happy to be here with you. So happy to be in beautiful Sonoma with my family. Such good times. Can you tell he's a theater guy? I, and, and so we get into my background, yes. So uh, I am a uh, former professor of theater. Um, I am a theater educator and theater artist. I'm a playwright. I'm a director. I'm an actor. Um, I, I create materials for teachers. I create materials for uh, students and student actors. Um, and uh, my, I have a life on the stage, as it were. And so... Uh, I've been in the arts and dealing with the arts for more than 30 years now, and uh, it is, in fact, my life. It it is what I do and what I pursue, and uh, I'm very excited and happy to talk to John about the healing power of the arts today. You started at Cal State San Bernardino, yeah? I started at Cal State San Bernardino, and I started out actually as a history major, but once I got involved in theater... Uh, I got uh, I got the bug, I got bit, and uh, once I got on stage, I never wanted to get off. And and thirty years later, here I am, still working for theater things. Okay, cool. So uh, the obvious question is, when we were kicking this around, there are healing properties to theater or the arts, correct? To the arts in general, absolutely. And what a lot of people out there might not know, uh, I've got a long history with John. I've known him almost since I was born. Um, <laughs> almost all my life, <laughs> almost your whole life. Uh, and uh, before John did certainly the, the healing things and the massage things and all those things, uh, John has a very strong visual art background. John is a very impressive visual artist. Uh, and, and that goes back a long, long time. I really believe it's, it's built into his DNA. It's built into what makes him who he is. I remember as a child um, growing up in the house, he had a desk in his room and uh, it was a white painted desk. And he, when I say he drew on the desk, don't think like graffiti, think art. Uh, 
he would sit and amuse himself uh, or, or pass time or whatever the, the thinking behind it was in doing drawing and art on this desk. And from that desk, uh, he always loved to doodle, to sketch, to draw. I don't believe, John, if I'm correct, you've ever had any formal art training. I have. Actually, I did uh, go to college and get some drawing classes, but I had this prior to, uh, and really when I say college, it's junior college. Um, but I, <laughs> I, I started out when I went to college the first time, because I've tried several iterations and none of them took. But the first time I went, I was an art major. And it was at oh, right. San Bernardino Valley College that uh, I was looking for work in the cooking world because I needed some money to live. And I, uh, uh, an old girlfriend's, my first high school girlfriend's father was a chef. And uh, I was hanging out with her sister at Valley College. And she said, my dad's looking for a cook. So it was a French restaurant there in North San Bernardino that no longer exists. And I went and uh, started cooking there. And he wanted an apprentice because they had just started this new apprentice program in the Inland Empire. And so when I started taking cooking classes to supplement my art the chef at the college recognized my artistic ability and that bastard locked me in a room with four carousels of slides this is old school and he had, <laughs> he had pictures of food and food competitions from all over the world and, and this is pre-Cooking uh, Channel. This is pre-Food Network. So this is all the stuff that you guys all see all the time on TV now before it was ever on TV. The Culinary Olympics, food shows, uh, a thing called Aspic, which is gelatin. But you, you <laughs> go to food shows and, and do these big, giant um, conglomerations of artistic food that would be covered in this gelatin that would sit on these tables on these mirrors for hours and hours while they got judged and he also introduced me to ice carving and, mm. and we all know how that things, went yeah one of the things that happened was he would take this big block of ice it's a 300 pound block of ice it's it's four foot tall by one foot wide by three foot wide and he would draw on a piece of paper and he would glue it to the ice and he would carve the outline of the ice and then he'd chisel around it and turn it into a 3D sculpture. And I would look at it and go, you don't need to put that paper on there. I see it. <laughs> like, no, 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 this is how I'm like, really, I see it. And I could visualize it. And artistically, I didn't understand how you couldn't do that. Right. So it was in that world that my artistic ability segued into food and what i learned much later when i got sober was uh because i was so selfish and self-centered i what? could <laughs> i could make art and i didn't have to sell it to you i could make art and you'd eat it or it would melt and it totally worked for me on a psych psych level but let's let's talk about that for a second let's talk about what it does for you or what it did for you. And then we'll extrapolate kind of out from there, but what it did for you to be able to create something that was valued and appreciated by another human being. 
what does that do to your psyche? What does that do to your spirit? What does that do to your self-identity that you have the ability to create something that impacts another human being on an emotional level? There is incredible power to that. Very good point. And I, I can pinpoint the exact conversation where that, that entered into my thought process. Uh, I was, it was my drinking days. And there was a tiny little bar in the North End of San Bernardino. And there were a couple of gals I hang out with. One of them was a college professor. And uh, we would drink ourselves into stupors. But we're sitting at that bar one night. And I was having an identity crisis over my art and how I didn't want to get rid of it. And I couldn't sell it. And, and it was so personal to me. I didn't think it had any worth or value. And she said, no, 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 no. Look, motherfucker you have a gift. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's that mean? She says, people will go to a doctor when they're sick because they have the skill and the knowledge to fix what ails them. You have a skill that can do something that they can't do and they see it and it means something to them and they appreciate it. And because of that, and the fact that they can't do it, they are willing to pay anything to capture that and get that from you. And I'm like, uh -huh. and that set the tone because it, until you recognize and realize that gift, and we've talked about this in previous episodes, once you have this gift, once you realize what your gift is and how it affects other people, then you can go out and it, it, making money from it is really a, a, a subcategory of what you want to do for the You right, do it because right. you have it and other people can appreciate it and you want to be appreciated, but it becomes an identity for you too. Well, let, we're going to talk about both sides of this coin, right? We'll, we'll talk about the viewer and we'll talk about the creator because there are two <laughs> separate things going on here. Um, the, you are right in that the, it, it doesn't necessarily matter monetarily for the creator. You can create art, you can create visual art, you can make music, you can write stories. You, there are all kinds of things you can do that never go out into the public, never get monetized, never have any uh, outreach into the outside world, but still are healing and, and feeding to you and who you are and what you need. But when you flip the switch and, and it becomes public, then you get this different aspect of that when the public sees work, when, when we, have, we as viewers of art, when you go into a gallery, John, and you see a piece that immediately affects you, you might not know why. You <laughs> might not be able to, to articulate what emotions, but you've got tears coming down your eyes. And, and you have that moment of connection with not only a person you've never met, but a person who died hundreds of years ago, but they've created an emotional expression and put it on that canvas. And that emotion is coming to you through time and space and affecting you. Mm -hmm. That is powerful. That is powerful beyond words. And the same applies to music. There's a reason people still listen to classical music because people are still moved by the music that was made hundreds of years ago and hundreds of years from now, it will, uh, people will be moved by this music. The arts are universal to humanity. There's a reason we need them. There's a reason we crave them. 
There's a reason they exist. Yet here we are cutting them out of every school. Program. And yet here we are. This is a whole different topic. I can. That's a whole different now. one. There's two things that that you um, to consider when you're talking about art. First of all, there's worth, and then there's value. So all art is worthy, right? It it has it has a there's some there's a, a greater purpose to art if there weren't a greater purpose to art there wouldn't be cave paintings right we've seen that for thousands and thousands and thousands of years the need to express myself to say hey this is happening so that is worthy the the problem that a lot of artists have is putting a value on it right um uh to monetize something makes it almost dirty. And as an artist, you feel like I did this for the purity and, and it is that, that getting point past the point of sharing to putting a value on it, to monetizing something that, that, you know, perhaps you felt was pure at one point. Um, uh, anyway, that's always, but that has to do with everything. We have this conversation almost weekly with people who are, have a gift to heal and they don't want to, they don't want to monetize that. So, um, I think any gift comes with that two-sided point, the worth and the value of it. Well, one of the things that took me a while to learn from my lovely wife, Karen, um, is that, and this was a hard fought lesson for me, people will mm -hmm. pay you what you think you are worth. That's if so true. If you're willing to do it for free, they'll be more than happy to let you do it for free. And I, I have a story about that. The, fir the first time I showed art in a gallery, I had some pictures that I'd done. It's a, it's a long story, but, but I was standing there watching a couple of women look at my piece. I'd never been in a gallery. It was the first time I'd ever been there and first time I'd ever hung in a gallery where, where pieces were for sale. And it, it, not, not to mention it tripped me out that anything that I had done for a couple hours in front of the TV was worth any kind of money at all anyway. But uh, they're looking at this piece and it was a super abstract piece. And seriously, when I drew it, it was just mm -hmm. something that came out of my head, right? And these ladies are talking about the existential realism of the depth of the thing that I'm, <laughs> I'm like, holy crap, where they get this from? And, and they're really interested in this. And then one of them looks down and looks at the price and goes, oh, it's only $250. Mm. I, I wonder, and the other one goes, oh, and she goes, I wonder why it's so low. And they disgustedly walked off. And I'm like, wait a minute. What, what the, the heck just happened? Fuck? And then I went and looked at the price sheets and every other piece in there was over 1200 bucks. And right. I'm like, there's a lesson mm. here. Right? It's a huge lesson. Right. Exactly. Right. Um, and, but and see, they liked it before they knew, <laughs> before they thought it was uh, beneath them. Well, it, it, it personalized it for them. It's like their, their whole existential crisis was that wasn't enough money for what they believed. <laughs> well, but but it, goes, it goes back to the idea of value versus worth that um, <laughs> there, there's this belief that if, if there's not a lot of monetary value to it, there's, there's not worth. But we're not talking about that aspect. We're talking about the worth of you to an individual. If, if it's something that really brings you joy, what is that worth? I believe that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So a million dollars, $10 million. I mean, at some point, if it really brings you joy, money's no object. And 
by the same token, when you talked about creating it sitting in front of the TV, you didn't like set up a canvas and 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 it's like okay, I've I've, I've got to express deeply the existential <laughs> crisis that exists within my bones. You're like, I'm going to do a thing. This color's pretty nice, right? But <laughs> it still, but it still was important to you. Well, that thing was there. It still had it still had to come out. It still had. It was a thing that was in my head that had to come out of me. And and it, towards that end, I remember having a girlfriend when I was working hotels who came and watched me and my buddy Lino carving ice. We used to carve ice uh, on the back docks for Sunday brunches. And uh, we would get together and carve together. And it would be the kind of thing we were in such synchronicity where I would, I'd have something that I needed to carve with a different chisel and I'd turn around and get the chisel and Lino would already have it in his hand and he'd hand it to me. So we were a pair that was boom, 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 boom. We were totally in sync. And, and ultimately it occurred to me that every time we did that, people would gather on the back dock and watch us. I didn't get that. I didn't understand that. And she's like, no, 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 dude, you don't understand. She goes, I would get moist. Watching that. <laughs> Those, the, the passion that you guys had when you do that, it, you can feel it in your soul. And again, I'm like, I don't understand how anybody can't do this. So, so now you're coming closer into my room. I was just going to say, this is what happens with you in the theater. This is what, isn't happens, it? That's what happens in the theater. This That's is what happens with Lisa with admin. <laughs> <laughs> she loves her. Wow, wow that, that sounds Lisa, so thrilling. Lisa, you sharpen pencils? Oh, <laughs> my God. I just go nuts. She's flipping me off right now. Um, <laughs> so in, in the theater, it's, it's about that exactly. It's, it's that you have, you're, you're watching human beings tell a story live. And with a level of skill and with a level of artistic determination, that's, that's just in, incredible to watch. But there is a need and a necessity for humans for that to exist. We need that. We need to see stories. We need to see ourselves. We need to see mistakes that are made or love that has happened or all of these things because it's cathartic for us. But when you talk about the process of watching people who are really good at something, who are really passionate about something. It is, it is, it, it, it's palpable. It's palpable. And, and it is, it, it's exciting to us as the viewer um, and, and like you said, even if it's, if, if it's people working, if, if the joy of their work is there, if we see that, um, we are drawn to that. When I think about, you know, especially reality TV stuff, it's like, why, why, do we, why do we watch these things? Why are there so many of them? Well, at some point, it's because the people who do it are really good at it. And there's something exciting to see about that. Um, but for the most part, they're passionate about it. And, and there's something contagious. Again, this idea of, of healing, this idea of what do we benefit from it? Why do we like it? Well, to watch someone who is so passionate for what they do, who get excited, we get excited. It changes what's happening in our brain. It changes what's happening in our brain. Similarly, if, if we're watching something that's very heavy or, or sad or challenging, again, the way it engages your brain is such mm -hmm. that it takes you out of whatever you might be in and allows you to think differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very true. Synaptic gaps. Think Eddie Van Halen, right? And just pick any Eddie Van Halen thing that you can and, and watch him do that when he's in it, when he's in it. Right. Or, right. or I, I remember seeing Van Morrison one time and, mm. and 
he was the music. His entire body was the That's music, it. right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, singers get that way. Artists get that way. Uh, mm -hmm. Couples, you see those those couples who are so in love that they can feel it. And, and when you're around them, you want to be passionate too, right? So, so let me tell you what, what really uh, a very recent story that, that illustrates this incredibly well. We recently had uh, in my family a little bit of an existential crisis and won't go into details, but it, it was really difficult and uh, it, it, it felt horrible. And it went on for uh, uh, almost two weeks. And Karen and I were wrecked. We were absolutely wrung out, exhausted, mentally, physically, emotionally. It was bad. It, it was as bad as we've been in a long, long time. Um, and we have friends who have been inviting us to see uh, performances at the Jazz Room in Charlotte, which is a little jazz club. And we, mm. we always were like, well, we, you know, we, we, this time we've got something set up, we can't do it. And finally, they had asked us, and it was right at, as this stuff was going on. And we went, God, yes, we just need to get out of the house. We need to <clears throat> have a change of scenery. So we went, and it was uh, four saxophone players. And uh, it was really good. They were doing the up jazzy, upbeat kinds of stuff, and, and they do stuff together and then individual stuff. At one point, about two-thirds of the way through, one of the guys got up to do a solo, and it was entirely different from everything else that had been played. It was soulful. It was slow. It was melodic. I could literally feel my brain being rewired while he was playing that tune. I felt my muscles relax. I felt my brain start to calm down and it, it was just, it was healing. There's no other word for it. It was just healing. It was beautiful. And then after we, after it all finished and we all went outside and we're standing in the street, Karen and I looked at each other and went, <clears throat> that song, oh my God. And we both felt the same thing. We both talked about that while that music was playing, while those notes were floating with the air, we could literally feel our brains rewiring themselves away from the trauma, away from the hurt, away from the panic. And it was an incredibly uh, noteworthy moment of understanding how music, how art, how, how this level of human connection through the arts can help heal, can help rewire, can help change how you are dealing with any particular item in the moment. So if we, if we break that apart a little bit too, uh, a great deal of what he's talking about has to do with in the midst of the storm, he was living in the moment uh, while there was an artistic thing going on, right? And, and so it took him out of the crisis that he was in while his brain was listening and watching something else. And it rewired him within the crisis of the, the encompassing outlying thing that was going on. So there's something to uh, taking a break in a crisis as well, right? And arts are certainly one of those things that can help us rewire and relearn and rethink and alleviate some pain and some problems while we're dealing with them. And knowing that there's beauty in the world that helps you take you out of that moment, right? out of the crisis that you're in and allows you to refocus on something so that if nothing else, you break the spiral. Right, right. Right. Meditation, right? Right. Arts, right. Uh, a, a, a walk. Speaking of walks, my <laughs> sister and your wife and her boyfriend 
just <laughs> walked in. And wait, she wait, wait. Matt's wife has a boyfriend? <laughs> Canadians are like that. When Canadians are outside, they just get happy like songbirds. Well, especially if they're sung, because they never see it. Correct. Uh, I will tell you that that my sister Alicia's boyfriend has been shirtless for the whole three days. <laughs> okay, so back to arts. So, um, uh, I uh, I moved back to Southern California about I don't even know seven years ago, six years ago, um, which is my happy place. But my happy happy place in Southern California is the Norton Simon Museum, mm -hmm. and so. I I clearly um, have had times where uh, life wasn't going my way, or I was really sad, or um, there were just uh, right. I know, and I would take my little self to Norton Simon. Um, I would see uh, some of my favorite paintings and and sculptures. I would walk through the sculpture garden, which, by the way, if no one's ever done that do it it is uh magical uh there's a beautiful little pond and it um yeah it's just gorgeous and rodan sculptures outside so um highly recommend that uh, but uh the same thing that you were saying matt is i can feel my uh endorphins increase and i can breathe and i can appreciate and it's that i think it's that stepping outside of yourself right um that there's a, a a big beautiful world out there and others have helped us appreciate it that uh certainly is super healing for me well, absolutely and and again this idea of of beauty and in the same way that you're talking about value and worth you can talk about beauty mm -hmm. and beautiful that there mm -hmm. are things that have beauty that are not beautiful that they Correct. are that they are difficult, that they are challenging, that, that they uh, they make you emote and think things that may not be uh, what, what we would consider, you know, beautiful, but they're necessary because, again, it's beginning to look at the larger picture of what it means to be human and how do we deal with all of those aspects of humanity, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And the more that we can wrap our brains around that, the more that we can come to terms and describe it and, and create it through art, through music, through story, through drama, um, the more we have an understanding of what our lives are. And I think for a lot of people, there is that challenge that's like, what is, why am I here? What is the purpose? What, what, you know, what gives any kind of shape to my life, to my day? And mm -hmm. the arts do that. The arts absolutely do that. And, and they do it for the very young. They do it throughout the entirety of your life. I'm, I'm sure you've seen, there's a, a video that went around a couple of years ago of an old gentleman at a, a retirement home, at a nursing home, who was practically mm -hmm. catatonic. He just sits in a chair. He is absolutely catatonic. And somebody thought to come put a set of headphones on him with jazz music that he liked from his youth. And immediately, as soon as that music started, he started moving. Turned into a different person. He turned into, he, he literally came alive. There's a different one with a lady who used to be a ballerina. And then, yes, I've yeah, seen that one. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Uh, Hey, two thoughts. The first one was when you're when you're looking for existence. My head went to V'ger. That's a little Star Trek reference. Oh, nice. um, but mm -hmm. you don't need 150 dollars tickets to get here, right? I was right. just thinking about uh, Corey's uh, reception that we went to the other day. 
all my grandbabies were in the same place at the same time. And, uh, and there were, there were other grandbabies there too. And like I'm want to do when I'm surrounded by children, I'd rather hang out with the children than the drinking adults. And at <laughs> one point we were, cause uh, they put out an entire basket of uh, sidewalk chop and bubbles. Holy crap. Bubbles and sidewalk chop. What else? That's do you a need good day right there. <laughs> I, I was tracing and I was being traced on the ground in my really good clothes by a sidewalk <laughs> talk. And then we were drawing pictures on the sidewalk, right? And that's color and that's artistic. And we're surrounded by sun and we're surrounded by grass and, and everybody was having a good time. That's all you need, right? right. No, Live in the moment, enjoy the color, see the stuff, take a breath, get out of yourself, get out of your head. And it turns out that, that, the arts, and when we speak about the arts, this is what we're talking about. It's not just one thing. It's anything that just gets you out of your head enough right. to right. be present in the moment and enjoy the thing that's in front of you. And so let's flip it back the other way again, because again, we're talking about both sides of the equation here. So yes, you don't need the $150 tickets. You don't need, uh, absolutely, go to the museum, see the sculpture, things like that. But the other aspect of it, besides being the viewer, is being the creator, right. create art, write the story that's in your head or the and poem that's in your head. You don't have to be good at you this. You don't have you to be good You just know have what? to do you it. You just have to do it. It's about expression. <laughs> it's about letting it out. It's about putting the, the pen or pencil or paintbrush in your hand and letting your, your arm go around the paper and see what's there, see what comes out. Well, let, let's address this just a little bit on a different on a different side note. We're going to use Lisa Kay as, as the example here because uh -huh. oftentimes when we're in our meetings of healers, Lisa will start with, well, I don't have a gift. And right, it, it took right. years to call bullshit on that because her gift, although it's not uh, Picasso-like and artistically music, musical, artistically musical, um, she does have a gift. And her gift is seeing the administrative part and, and the business aspects of how a person can relate to the world through that line i guess you'd call it gifting and, and what's happened in the last couple of weeks slash months is that we've developed some people you've heard some of them on the podcast here we've helped develop them uh in their skill sets to where they're starting to use their artistic gifts and their spiritual gifts and their and their gifts where they can help other people but there's a, a business side to that, or there's an administrative side to that, that a lot of art, us artists, hey, straight up, yep. right? A lot of us artists don't want to deal with, right? I just want to touch people. Well, I don't want to do the money part. And here's the thing. <laughs> it's not just don't want to deal with. You, you talk about not having a gift. I do not have a gift for administration. I do not have a gift Point. for organization. That's why I'm married to a CPA. You know, that's how <laughs> got here. Out nice. when I want to strike out on my own, my wife said, yeah, you're not a business guy. Right. You better find a business person because you're not doing this by yourself because we're not going bankrupt. And, and and the value that we place on those people is, is immeasurable. They, they make it possible for us to create the art. They make it possible for us to share the art. They make it possible for us to be passionate enough and not starving in the streets that we can create and present that art to other people for their enjoyment. And that so can, there's, there's a lot to that. And that can make us happy too. Yeah. Speaking of, I'm looking at my beautiful sister-in-law, Sarah, who yesterday talked about 
getting the last two blueberry pancakes out of the fridge and eating it for breakfast, which she's doing right now. And she has the biggest smile on her face right now. Blueberry pancakes can be soulful and adventurous and very food is art. Food is not just the higher that you were talking about. The the, uh, simple, the the meatloaf, right? Right. Yesterday we had a brisket. Yum. Biscuits. We made biscuits for breakfast today yesterday. But it, and again, it's this idea of of creating and sharing, creating and sharing, and, and to a large extent, that's what food is. And and you go to a really good restaurant. What's the first thing you eat with John Webster? Your my bread. Eye, my fork. No, slow down. Your that's eyes. Right. You eat with your eyes. Right. Oh. Right. So you know if they. I thought we were talking eat, about what we eat. Eat. Okay. No, no. Eat with. <laughs> oh, okay. Eat with your Got eyes. It. Place a case like shrimp. Yeah. <laughs> Brett, um, there is a, I, because a long time ago, I was a preschool director and there is a saying when you uh, are a child development major, because um, we all had kids, right? And they all, they all came home with the cute little thing from preschool, right? Like a ladybug out of, of you know, out of construction paper. The, the saying though, is it is the process, not the product. And I yes. think that speaks to art so much. You know, it, it is the doing rather than what it looks like at the end, you know. Oh, tell me about that. Yeah, because it doesn't right. look like an elephant. <laughs> <you know? laughs> and, and to teach kids that is, is invaluable. It is getting your fingers dirty. It is picking up the paintbrush. It is writing even though you think it's crap. All of that um, is cathartic and healing for the artist. But um, I think sharing that as well uh, becomes uh, cathartic for the viewer as well. Right. There's, there's actually in, in my field and one of my areas of specialty is something called creative drama. And that is a completely process-based form of drama. It has nothing to do. It will never be presented to an audience. It's not intended for public performance um, because it's, it's, it's entirely about the process. It's entirely about being in the moment and imagining and playing like what you were doing with the chalk and things like that. That's that kind of thing is very much along the idea of creative, creative drama. What you learn in that process, what you experience in that process, because it's not intended for the public, you have the opportunity to be much more reflective and in the moment and enjoy and not worried about, is the audience enjoying it? Or why didn't they laugh at that line? They they should be clapping by now. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with, I'm pretending to be a hunter right now. You're pretending to be a rabbit. And now we're (laughs) going to play this game and then we're going to have a conversation. And then we're going to go on and do something else. We we call that foreplay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So so not only is that an important form of art and drama, but but it's one that that actually exists, is studied because of the necessity of it. And that's one of the things that, that's like a precursor to something like drama therapy, right? Or art mm-hmm. therapy, where you do these things not for public consumption, but to really begin to understand your, your physical body, to understand relationships with other people, to understand what's happened in your past. It, cl- it cleans the cobwebs out. It cleans sure. the cobwebs out. You know, I think I just had a thought that, that there's also uh, uh, one of the things towards codifying what we're talking about is the opposite of that. Like when you do something and you're not praised for it or you get criticized for it. Right. And, and it, it, instead of making you stronger, it crushes you. Right. Mm-hmm. So it has the, the possibility to really change your life and make a difference in 
not creating because it was such a negative experience. Right. Right. How many people are told, how many, how many possible future artists are told, oh, that's, oh, nice. That's not, is that a, mm-hmm. that's, not, that's it, not what an elephant looks like. It, that's wrong. In college, right? When I was doing that art, I did my first little art show there at the college. And mom's like, I want to see, I want to see. And she brought grandma. And one of my pictures was of a naked woman. Mm-hmm. <gasps> she was so embarrassed and she was so hurt. And oh my God, you showed grandma that. And it's like, shame right we're right. back to, we're back to catholic shame there right? we go and uh they're not dirty pillows mama they're breasts and everybody's got <laughs> um but but you could you could really hurt somebody that way and that's something that needs to be cognizant when we're discussing art or looking at art even if you don't like it it doesn't necessarily mean that you need to shame a person over it right and in the same way we've been talking about this all weekend so far in the same way there are foods that you like that i don't like that doesn't mean the food you eat is bad or the, in, in the case of, of all the brothers and sisters, the wine that you drink is not good. You know, how, I don't, I don't particularly wine, care for reds. Wine's a good example. Wine's yeah. a good example. I don't particularly care for reds. Um, and, and, and other people do and they love it and they can tell all the different things. Or there may be a kind of red wine that, that a person loves. It's almost like, oh my God, you love cabinet. Oh my God. <laughs> um, there's you that you like what you like it doesn't make it good or bad especially when we talk about art it's objective versus subjective you're right but i'm writer well I'm the writer <laughs> ball. Um, so, so there has to be that space in art and once again this is where we begin to divide between public uh, art for the public and art for art's sake. Well, you, you bring up a good point is, is because it's subjective, you have choices too. Right. If you don't like it, you don't have to like it. There's nothing that says you have to like it. Go out and create your own shit. Go out and do your own thing, right? It's, it's, it's totally a personal experience. What we're really talking about is the healing aspects of this. Right. And if you find something that doesn't work for you, go find another thing. Or, or, or by the same token, if you do something that brings you joy and yet someone looks at it and criticizes it, fuck them. Fuck them. Screw that. This is for you. It's like, oh, good. I'm, I don't care if you don't like it. I didn't make it for you. I don't care if it makes you happy. It makes me happy. The point mm-hmm. that, I'm, that I'm making is that I wanted to make this. I made it. I think it looks good. So I'm sorry that you don't like it. I don't care that you don't like it. It wasn't for you. I never meant it for you. Right. I'm not trying to sell it to you. It was something that I had to create. And there's plenty of art in galleries with seven-figure price tags on it that you and I would look at and go, what the fuck, dude? Who would want that? Somebody does. There's a there's an old video called My Five-Year-Old Could Paint That. You ever hear about that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And 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 again, it's it's so completely subjective. And it's about the connection you have to human being, either making the art or viewing the art. But it doesn't. You know, you can say whether something's good or bad. You can say whether or not a, a movie is a hit or a, a song gets a lot of airplay. There's plenty of songs that get airplay that I think are crap. Um, but if we talk about individual taste and we talk about the value of that to the individual, it really comes down to a one-on-one kind of scenario. It's my opinion. Absolutely. And you're welcome to it. That's right. Wait, well, whose opinion? Yeah. What else we got, Lisa Kay? I'm lost. Somebody, there was a voice from somewhere. What? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Le- Le- Lisa's mushrooms have given <laughs> And she's now hearing voices. 
which is a really bad sign. Did you know right. that auditory hallucination is actually one of the worst signs uh, mental health wise? Just a little fun fact. But, you know, the good thing about hallucinating is that you're never alone. So, <laughs> so that's, that's nice. Okay. It is. Nice. We're, we're very happy for you. We really are. There we go. <laughs> so uh, to synopsize, go, go create. What? Go see something <laughs> creative. Stop listening to the voices in Lisa's head. <laughs> that's probably the smartest thing to do. Right. And, and again, it's the two sides of that. You can interact with the arts either as a creator of art or the or viewer of art, and either one has benefits. Either one will feed your soul. Either one will help heal your mind. It can be Definitely. very healing. Music soothes the savage beat. And go watch that old Bugs Bunny cartoon, <laughs> or or go to an art museum, or just go look at a park or some water or something. Do something to get outside yourself, and then share it with somebody. Right. And this can be one of the most healing things and the cheapest, easiest, simplest things that you can do to heal your soul. Indeed. All right. I like that. Very nice. I, I think that's a good way to cap this. It is. What else we got, Lisa Kay? Uh, I can't think of anything. Um, thanks, thanks so much to Matt Webster. That was awesome. You, uh, you are always a, a bright, shining star, and thank you for sharing your wisdom with us today. Thanks. It's been fun. Glad to do it. Like that, brah. Hey, brah. Like that. Me and Matt, we talk peach and lade. Shoot. See you. Um, don't forget, we have a dissection class coming up for you somanauts out there. That's going to be in, Lisa K. October. 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 It is the... First Thursday in October. And uh, for more information, you can go to advancedanatomyclass.com um, or call us at 909-557-4415. If you're enjoying hearing what hearing our podcast, if you have an idea and you'd like to to you know drop us a little idea, you can contact us at the hesitant healer at gmail.com. We have a list of uh, podcasts that we're going to do. We have five people lined up for the next couple of weeks that we're going to do some interviews with from all over, some good friends and some people who have some good information. Uh, we're going to have some lymph massage coming on. We have somebody called the Vagina Whisperer we're going to talk to. Uh, a friend of mine who's another Somanaut who uh, lives in North Carolina, I think we're, we got on the hook. So we're going to do some pretty interesting things coming up. And uh, in addition to that... We want you to like and subscribe. The more likes that we get on this, the more we push this. We would love you to tell your friends and family if you're interested and you find any value in this, please uh, let them know. We got some refrigerator magnets. If you're in the Redlands area and you, you know where we're at, come stop by. We'll give you a magnet. You can put it up on your refrigerator so you can remind yourself. I want a magnet. I brought some for you. Sweet. And awesome. uh, um, if, if you, well, if you're not in the Redlands area, if you uh, drop me an email at the hesitant healer at gmail.com and give me your snail mail, I will make sure that you too get a magnet. We could send you a magnet through the old right. express kind of way. You get a magnet. You get a magnet. <laughs> you get a magnet. Everybody gets everybody. a magnet. All right. That's it, kids. Okay. Have a good day. Say bye, Lisa Kay. 
Bye, Liz Kang. Hey, bye, Matt Webster. Aloha. Y'all be good humans. We're out.